three, two, one. Welcome back to our next edition of the CBB Review Studio Podcast. I am Dan Siegel, joined as always by my co-host Ben Anderson. And today we are also joined by our SEC writer at CBB Review, George Bagwell. Appreciate you guys coming on. We are going to do our fifth part of the sixth uh, the six-part series of the Transfer Portal recap of the cycle, declaring our team winners, our team losers, and, of course, the all-transfer teams for each conference. So today we're doing the SEC. Um, I look at the SEC, and really it's kind of a world where the rich football schools are getting richer in today's college sports climate and not only is that translating over to football i feel like that's translating over to basketball with nil and all that and i feel like the theme for this sec transfer portal cycle was mid-major superstars basically moving up getting those nil opportunities and going to sec schools yeah one of the things i noticed about when i was looking at the list of all of the sec transfers is that well, they, they may not necessarily have the top end stars, the top 10 ranked guys in the transfer portal. They have a lot of depth throughout all of their teams. Um, and also, I think it leans a little towards defense in the transfers that they got here. So I think it'll be a really interesting conference to cover in the coming year. Yeah, I mean, we got a few in-conference transfers. Jordan Wright uh, to LSU. Uh, let's see, Alan Flanagan from Auburn. Farmer's dad to Ole Miss. Uh, but other than that, really, it's just like mid-majors, kids making that jump up from the mid-major level to the SEC level of play. It's going to be fun to watch. All right, so let's get into our winners and losers, and I will start myself. For my winner, it's definitely got to be LSU. I mean, they basically fit that mold of mid-major superstars coming up, and they got – three of them in my opinion starting with Jalen Cook coming over from Tulane he averaged 20 points per game last year he still has multiple years of eligibility so that's going to be huge Carlos Stewart from Santa Clara he really broke out in his sophomore season again multiple years of eligibility he averaged 15.2 points last year really good three-point shooter I think he was over 40 percent from there and then they also got a seven-foot center from Nevada who could shoot the rock as well. Seven footer averaged 13.6 points last year. Will Baker the is his name. And then they get they go over from SEC rivals, or I guess teams in the SEC, and get transfers from there. They didn't put up as big numbers, but in they have experience playing in the conference in the same level of competition. Those guys being like you just mentioned, George, Jordan Wright coming over from Vanderbilt, double-digit scorer. He's going to play his graduate season there. And then they got Damian Collins from Kentucky. So a 6'9 big. He has not played much, but just the raw potential there makes it a, a definitely a notable addition there. So you look at LSU, they're coming off basically a, a really bad year last year. They – really needed some sort of surge in the offseason, and they retooled. They added players from all their needs, one through five, and they have, like I said, some of them 
high performers at lower levels, some of them not as high performers, but at higher levels. And you're always going to lose a little. We talk about the departures, but the departures are really not a huge deal. I think the additions heavily outweigh them. So LSU is certainly a winner in this cycle. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you can argue that anything but for LSU. And I'm really excited to see what that looks like for uh, a, a year two coach in Matt McMahon. All right. So, George, what did you have as your winner? So as my winner, I had Mike Mike White's Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, they picked up some great pieces. Uh, starting off with Jalen Deloach, might be the best uh, incoming transfer on the defensive side of the ball coming into the conference. Absolute dog, classic Mike Rhodes guy. Uh, they also picked up R.J. Sunahara, a key piece from uh, that Nova Southeastern D2 championship. I think he averaged 18 points per game. Really a key contributor there. R.J. Melendez uh, from Illinois never really found his full potential there. But, you know, get him in Mike White's offense. I really think there is potential for him to go up to a multi-digit, uh, multi-digit 10 points per game score, at least, especially in this offense with Cario Oquendo gone. Uh, you know, Oquendo was the heartbeat of last year's team. But as we know, that team wasn't really that good. It's around sitting around 500, I think 16 and 16 on the year. So replacing him with these guys like Noah Thomason coming over from Niagara, great, great dude, great player, especially on the offensive end. Uh, Russell Chewa coming over from South Florida, another great defender, should fit with Deloach great in the uh, front court. In terms of the losses, besides Aquindo, it's really minimal. They did they did lose uh, Braylon Bridges to graduation, but other than that, this team is going to be reloaded, and I'm really excited to see what Mike White can do in his second year. Yeah, right. absolutely. And then what do you got, Ben? So I have the Ole Miss Rebels as my winner. They brought in a bunch of stuff that I think you can only qualify this as a success for Chris Beard in his first year in Oxford. They do have some key departures. Um, obviously, you'd like to keep Amari Abram. He really played well as a true freshman. And James White has some potential as well. But if you look at the additions, I mean, this is set up to be an elite defensive team. And I'm really excited to see what that has. they have to offer down with the Rebels, starting off with Musa Cisse, inarguably a top five defender in college basketball last year. Could make a case for number one. He's a shot blocking machine, and I'm really just excited to see what he looks like along with Jamarian Sharp, who, as everyone knows, seven foot five over from Western Kentucky. Can't do much other than block shots, but when he does block shots, it's really a, a great sight to see. Austin Nunez didn't have a fantastic year at, at Arizona State, but it was his true freshman year, and he still got minutes under Bobby Hurley. Same thing for Brandon Murray. He transferred from LSU to Georgetown. That didn't really work out for him, but now he's back in the SEC, and I do think he still has a lot of potential. And then you finish it off with Alan Flanagan and Jalen Murray. Jalen Murray has a lot of assist power, uh, a lot of assisting potential. So I'm really excited to see what that looks like, maybe as a a, a guard off the bench from St. Peter's. And then Alan Flanagan is has been a staple for a long time in the SEC over at Auburn. He's been a, a bit up and down, but he has shown that he can compete at a high level on a really good team. Really, I do think with the um, with the return of Jamin Breakfield, Breakfield as well, this sets up a really solid core for the future for Chris Beard and Ole Miss. All right, yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see Musa Cisse and 
hopefully he I mean he's a great defensive player if he could finally break out offensively like I uh, I don't know I'm I'm just trying to flash back like 2 years ago and people were calling him like the next big thing as a prospect didn't really translate or at least maybe it's just slowly getting there but that that's someone I'm curious to keep an eye on now what is this his third school now at Ole Miss yeah yeah all right, yeah, but let's do you get... think uh, would Cisse and Sharp be on the same court at the same time? Do you think uh, they would split position, split time uh, at the five? Yeah, I think it's probably going to be like Cisse 25, Sharp 15 or something like that. I don't think you can play them at, together, but it's really, it's really useful, especially if one of them gets into foul trouble that you have the other coming off the bench. And I just think it's a good front court dev piece to have Sharp. Yeah, you can never have too many pieces in the front court, especially. But um, let's move on to the losers. So, personally, I think it's Kentucky. First off, we're talking about Kentucky. We are recording this on June 1st. So, the big news coming out of Kentucky had nothing to do with the transfer portal, but Oscar Sheboy is going to stay in the NBA draft. So, that is the biggest potentially – what could have been positive news for Kentucky turned out to be negative news for Kentucky, but just overall news story. That is the most significant thing that is going to happen with Kentucky this off season. So no Oscar Shibway, but also they didn't add anybody and they lost some pieces. A lot of the pieces they did lose were guys that were kind of underperforming or at least not performing at a high level. And then we talk about Kentucky. They also, to be fair, bring in a pretty incredible freshman class. I mean, they have five players in there. It's the top-ranked class in the country. I think four of them are in the consensus top ten. But without Sheepway, it's you can't tell me this Kentucky team is not going to have the same problems they always have. And especially in March, they lack the experience. Then, And that continues to be their problem as a program with these early exits, they added absolutely nobody. And you can't tell me that this team was not flawed being a six seed with a round of 32 exit, even with a turnaround from the first half of the regular season to the second half of the regular season. And the craziest part is we, we talked about some of the coaches in the previous episodes and how they just refused to touch the transfer portal that has not necessarily been Coach Cal. He's not been big on it, but he has used it before. But this cycle, I don't know what the deal was. Was he banking on Sheboy coming back? Just you got to have some sort of contingency plan. And that's why I worry about it. They're going to be fun to watch. They have a lot of young talent, but no experience basically, on, or very little experience, I should say, on the roster. And Sheboy leaving was huge. Well, I, I do think if you remember all the way back, probably a couple of weeks ago now, they were in the mix for Hunter Dickinson as well. Yeah. And I guess if you're Kentucky, you never think you're going to strike out twice, right? First on Dickinson, then on Sheway. But I, again, like you said, you got to have a contingency plan if that happens. It's a Sheway could have left after uh, the last season, the season before this one. Um, so he had to have that as a possibility. And obviously with Dickinson, you never knew where he was going to go really. So it's unfortunate, but 
you got to have more than what eight scholarship guys they have right now, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. They got some work to do. Yeah. All right. So, George, what you got as your loser? As my loser, I have the Vanderbilt Commodores. Uh, they did pick up some additions in the portal, uh, specifically Van Allen Lubin from Notre Dame, former four-star prospect. Uh, that should be a great pickup, but that's not going to offset the complete roster overhaul they had to go through with the departures. Uh, not like, starting off with uh, Jordan Wright going over to LSU. He is from Louisiana, but you know if you're Jerry Stackhouse, you really don't want to see that guy go. It's absolute so important to the team. And Miles Studi, also another in-conference transfer, lose him to South Carolina. Malik Dia to Belmont. Noah Shelby Rice. Um, Quint Malora Brown started 25 games. He's going to the Citadel. Uh, Tyron Lawrence, he might come back. There's been some smoke in the mirrors about that. Uh, I know that Auburn was trying to get him early in the process, but as it's winding down, I think they might keep him. But when your offseason revolves around the only good news being your star player might not leave, you know, that's not really a great key to a good offseason. Yeah. Did also pick up uh, Evan Taylor from Lehigh, and that'll help him offensively. But there's just only so much Jerry can do to offset these losses from the portal. No, I agree. If Tyron Lawrence ends up leaving, and it doesn't look like he will at this point, but you never you never know. Really, Vanderbilt, I think, has the largest roster overhaul of any single team in the SEC. They might not be the biggest loser, but they have the largest departure set of departures. I think. What do you think, Dan? No, for sure. And I, I mean, those additions are just, they're, they're not going to off, like, like George said, they're not going to offset them. And it's like, it's a program that continues to, I don't even want to say underperform, but just perform poorly because it's like Vanderbilt is kind of at a competitive disadvantage, but it's definitely not what you wanted to happen for the Commodores fans. Yeah, absolutely. And then for my loser, I have Auburn here. And as as if at the as a first look, you might not necessarily think, oh man, this is the biggest loser in the SEC, but I am a little bit worried about what this roster is going to look like. First of all, let's go into the key departures. They have Alan Flanagan. Obviously we've talked about him before he's off to Old Miss, follows his father, who's now an assistant coach for Chris Beard. And in addition, Yon Traore, it's probably the most surprising transfer um, in terms of the destination that he found uh, in the entire cycle, maybe. Going over to UC Santa Barbara um, from Auburn as a former five-star recruit after only one season doesn't typically happen all that much. That's going to be a really interesting team, that <laughs> the Gauchos, because they picked up a few a few high-major transfers. So I'm interested to see what that looks like. Then Chance Westry didn't do much. I mean, he played some, but he didn't do, didn't do a ton. He's off to Syracuse. And then Babatunda Agnambola. As well, that's just a death piece. But I'm really more concerned about what they didn't bring in, right? They did bring in Denver Jones, and he was a microwave score, high high usage player at at FIU. Also shot 36% from three, so there's something there. But I'm not necessarily sure I love the fit with Auburn specifically because if you look around, they do lose Wendell Green, but is that a replacement? Is it just a straight replacement? He is six four, so that brings some size to the backcourt. But I do worry about what that looks like between him and Katie Johnson, who's going to handle the ball. 
what the minutes going to look like, who's going to shoot the ball. Janai Broom does come back. He was considering going to the NBA draft, but he is back in Auburn for his junior year, which is a big pickup. But I just don't love the depth that the Tigers have, that Bruce Pearl has. Jalen Williams comes back as well, but this is just looking like an eighth-place team in the SEC, which is not not necessarily what I think you hired Bruce Pearl to do. No. No. That's – yeah, Auburn's uh, roster outlook is definitely not looking good once again. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, surprises do happen, but I agree. They're definitely looking towards the that bottom tier – yeah, eighth is a fair fair way to put them. But um, before we head off, we are now going to talk about our all-SEC transfer teams. So just the best five players that transferred in, regardless of team. A couple guys on mine that we haven't really talked about yet. Most of them, four to five of them actually are, like I prefaced the episode with, mid-majors coming up to the SEC. And it starts with Jalen Cook coming from two lanes LSU. I already talked about him, but there's also in my backcourt, Aaron Estrada coming over from Hofstra to Alabama, scored over 20 points per game last year. He's a good rebounder, especially for a guard, 4.3 assists. I mean, he's just anything you would want from a player from that level. That's what Estrada provides. He also plays very solid defense. He could create his own shot. Just, I think he could make the jump up to a team like Alabama and play in that system, even coming from Hofstra. And that that's high praise for for that guy. Um, Dalton, is it Necht? I think it's Connect, but yeah, Necht. Okay, coming over from Northern Colorado to Tennessee, also over twenty points per game. Good three point shooter. He's, I think. Six foot six, six foot seven ish. So he'll play on the wing for Tennessee. Good rebounder. Um, Chris Ledlum coming over from Harvard also to Tennessee. And in the front court, very high um, volume score 18.8 points per game, 8.5 rebounds. And then this is the guy you talked about, Ben Musa Cisse. He'll anchor my, uh, my center spot. Oklahoma State to Ole Miss. I'm picking him for mostly his defense and his offensive upside. Yeah, I really like that team. I actually have the same backcourt. I agree with you on Cook and Estrada. I think that would be a high uh, – they'll pack a scoring punch. And they're a little bit small, but really, realistically, if they can score on you, that's something you want. My wings are different from you. I started off with Tremont Mark, transferred over from Houston to Arkansas. I like him as a versatile piece, both offensively and defensively. He's played in a really good system under Kelvin Sampson, and I think he'll fit in really well under Eric Musselman. In addition, at my four, I do have RJ Sunahara. Um, I know we talked about him in under Georgia's part at the uh, in the Georgia section, but you are you are always wary of what a D two transfer to a Power Five straight up is going to look like. But I've done some research on Nova Southeastern, and they really do operate like a D one team. Yeah. I think Ken Palm put in some rankings about that and they would have ended up like 180th in D1 last year or something. It was some crazy number. Like, so this is not your normal D2 transfer. In addition, he's the 6'8", 6'9", wing that you're always looking for anyways. If this was a high school recruit, we wouldn't bat an eye, right? So I really do like that addition there. And then finally, my center is the same as yours. I like Cissé in the five as well. All right. 
Yeah. Yeah, Ben, I've got a uh, Cook and Mark in my backcourt as well. Mark, especially, I'm high on uh, starting all 37 games for Houston last year. 10 points per game, a lengthy guard. He's one of the best defensive perimeter guys in the nation. Uh, Jalen Cook started his career at LSU, went to Tulane, came back to LSU. I think he's going to be great for Matt, Matt McMahon this year. At the three, uh, Dalton Connect from Tennessee. Coming from NOCO, he is going to be so important for Rick Barnes' team next year. They are bringing back Josiah Jordan-James. Uh, he could split time at the two, three, or the four. But Dalton is going to need those minutes, probably about 30 a game. Great shooter, great rebounder. Uh, at the four, I have B.J. Mack coming in from Wofford to South Carolina. A great dude. Uh, he's averaged six, 16 points per game over the past two seasons. He can shoot the three. So, you know, you can't give him space down low, can't give him space on the perimeter. Should be great uh, spacing for Lamont Paris. And at the five, you know, I can't think of anyone else besides Musa Cisse that deserves that spot. Just a great pickup by Chris Beard there. All right, and that will be a wrap for our SEC Transfer Portal recap. That is five of six episodes down for the Transfer Portal, and we just have the Pac-12 left, so keep an eye out for that over the coming days. Be sure to subscribe to this channel if you have not already, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you are listening or if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to like this video as well. But once again, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Take care.